you got your Bibles this morning, go me to the, back to the book of Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8. Uh, we began a couple weeks ago in going systematically through the book of Romans, through the chapter of Romans chapter 8, and some have called this the, the greatest chapter in all the Bible. And this morning we're going to uh, look at verses 5 through 9 of Romans chapter 8. And I'm not going to go over the, the, the previous seven chapters. We've done that in the last few weeks. And so uh, if you don't know uh, the foundation that we laid, uh, I would say just get a CD or tape or whatever and or just read it yourself, okay, and, and find out where we are. Uh, so just for time's sake, I'm going to just jump right into uh, chapter 8. But in chapter 8 of Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us what it means to be in Christ. What it means to be in Christ. How do we know we're saved? How do we know we're in Christ? Is it because we fill out a card? Does that make us saved? Is it because we raised our hands on an Easter Sunday morning and walked away and not changed? Does that mean we're saved? No, it doesn't mean we're saved. Is it because my mom and dad was a founding member of the church and they paid for a pew and one of their, their names on a, one of the pews? Does that mean I'm good to go? No, it doesn't mean that at all. And so we need to know if we are in Christ. And so Paul is going to tell us what it means to be in Christ in chapter 8. And I want to start back at verse 1, even though we're going to be mainly focused on verse 5 through 9, because I want us to kind of look and see where we've been for just a minute. I'll read from NASB. Verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he said, if you're in Christ, guess what? There's no condemnation. Why? Because we have been declared righteous based on the fact of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. And so we see in Romans 8, in Christ there's no condemnation. Then in verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Notice this. You have been set free. And so in Christ, not only is there no condemnation, there's also liberation because we have been set free from the law of sin and death because the Spirit of God is living inside of us. Verse 3 through 4 says, For what the law could not do, he's going to explain this here. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did it. In other words, we couldn't do it, so God did it. He says, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice, Jesus wasn't sinful. He just, he, he became like us humanly. Okay, he was without sin. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay, and so these are those that are in Christ. They have a different mindset okay they've got a difference in them and so there is listen everyone in here everybody in here you are in one or two categories okay you're either in Christ or you're in Adam there's no dual citizenship there's no straddling the fence either you are saved or you are lost okay I believe this message today is one of the most important messages you can preach. More important than preaching about healing and, and miracles and those kind of things. We need to know if we are saved or we are lost. 
if we are in Christ or we are truly in Adam. And so the Apostle Paul in verses 5 through 9, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's going to go through these contrasts of what it means to be in Christ and what it means to be in Adam. Look at verses 5 through 9. We'll read these verses and we'll go back through them, okay? He says, for those who are according to the flesh, that's not talking about you just your body, that's talking about the sinful nature, set their minds on things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Then verse 9 he says this, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. He says, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now don't kind of confuse these terms when he talks about Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. It's the same thing. He's given us a picture of the Trinity, okay, here. I had, one, I had a, a man a few years ago call me one time and he asked me, he said, is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit the same thing? I said, of course. He got mad and hung up and said, no, it's not. Okay? But I was explaining to him, I said, listen, if it's different, that means there's not a trinity. That means there's four in the Godhead. I don't even know what, that would, I don't even know what you'd call that. But don't confuse the terms here we see in Genesis chapter 1 that the spirit of God was hovering over the waters we know that's the Holy Spirit right and so it's interchangeable here so again for those that are in Christ we see a pattern here first and foremost he says there's no condemnation the second thing is this if you're in Christ Jesus there is liberation we've been set free from the power of sin then he's going to talk about in verse 5 through 9 that if you're in Christ Jesus, what I'm going to call just to kind of get the same kind of uh, sounds of the words, he would say this, there are new inclinations. Okay? So there's no condemnation, there's liberation, and now there is new inclinations because in verses 5 through 9, he's going to contrast those that are in Christ and those that are in Adam. And we're going to look at it like this. He's going to show us here in these verses that they are on two different courses. They are on, they're in two different conditions. They're in two different categories. And they're also under two different custodies. Okay? So again, different course, different condition a different category, a different custody. Let's look at these as we see. Verse 5. If you're in Christ Jesus or if you're in Adam, there's going to be a distinct difference because you are on two different courses. Look, go back to verse 5. 
He says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So you are either according to the flesh or you are according to the Spirit. How do we know which course we are on? He says it's all about your mindset. And when he uses this word mindset here, he says there is a different pattern in those two lives. There's a different bent in those two lives. There's a different desire in those two lives. There's a different direction in those two lives. There's a different purpose of heart in those two lives. So if you are in Christ Jesus, you have new tendencies, you have new leanings. There are two different mindsets. He says you are either in the mindset of the flesh or you're in the mindset of the spirit. Now let's talk about this mindset of the flesh here. And let me say this. He's not talking about what most people have come to know now or this belief now that you can be a carnal Christian, okay? This thing has kind of invaded the church in general and it says this, that you can accept Christ Jesus in your life and you can be worldly all your life and you're saved. No. Now I know the Apostle Paul talks about that church at Corinth in chapter 3. that He says you are, yet, you are still carnal. In other words, you're still infants. You're still worldly. I'm not saying that a Christian can't have a bad day. Okay? I'm not saying they can't struggle for a time. But what I am saying is this. If you are in Christ Jesus... There is going to be a change in your life. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, those whose mindset, those whose course is of the flesh... He says, they are not in Christ, they're in Adam. Now let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version of the Bible just because I, I, I like how it kind of puts it out there where it's easy to understand. It kind of gets it deeper than just the words we see. And remember, John is writing to us so that we can know that we have eternal life. That's what he says in chapter 5, I think it's verse 13. I'm writing these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is what he says here. Now look, he says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing, being unrestrained by his commands and his wills, you know that he, in other words, Jesus appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in him, Jesus, there is absolutely no sin, for he has neither the sin nature nor has he committed sins or acts worthy of blame. Then look what he says here, verse 6. 
No one who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or has known him. You understand that? He says, little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, in other words, the one who strives to live consistently honorable life in private as well as public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous. Just as he is righteous. Jesus there. The one who practices sin, in other words, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion, is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from the devil, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's laws from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Then he says... No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's seed, his principle of life. Remember what Paul said last week about the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? His principle of life, the essence of his righteous character, verse 10, remains in him who is born again, who is born from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for his purpose, and he who is born again. Then verse 10 says this, cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin this, because he is born of God and longs to please God. You understand this? When you are in Christ, you have different desires. Okay? You have a different course than the course of the world. And so he says, every single one of us in here, you are either in the flesh, and if you are in the flesh, your lifestyle is characterized by sin. Or you're either in the spirit, and because you're in the spirit, the spirit of God lives inside of us, 1 Corinthians 6. And because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, talked about this last week, He gives us the power to live a life of victory, not on our own efforts, but through the Spirit of God living inside of us. Let me show you this. If you go back to Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 and 27. Here's what God says to his people through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will remove this heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now look what he says in verse 27 here. He says, I will put my spirit within you. Notice that. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe observe my ordinances. And so we got to realize this. Listen, grace not only is what saves us, 
But God gives us grace to keep us. You don't believe that? Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Listen, and this is the grace of God here. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So you're either in Adam, and if you're in Adam, you're on a different course than those that are, on, that are in Christ. You've got different bents, you've got different desires, you've got different goals than those that are in Christ Jesus. And so he says, here, there's two different courses in this world. There's either in the flesh or in the spirit. And then he says this, oh, there's two different courses. He says there's two different conditions. And what are those conditions? It's death or life. It's death or life. Look at verse 6. He says, for the mind set on the flesh is death. Notice that Paul doesn't say that the mind set on the flesh leads to death, though it does. But he says the mind that's set on the flesh is death. In other words, when, if your mind is set on the flesh, if your course is on the, this world and set on this world, he says you are dead in your trespasses and in your sins. He says if your mind is set on the flesh... You're dead. Quit fooling yourself and saying, no, I'm, 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 I'm in. If your mind is set on the flesh, if your bent of life, if your course of life is set on the things of the flesh, he says, you're dead. You're dead. You're not saved. You're not in Christ. But he says in verse 6, continue on, but the mind on, set on the spirit is life. Now let's stop there for a second. So there's two different courses, there's two different conditions, life or death. You're either dead or you are alive. And what he uses the word there is the word, not bios, because we all breathe in here have bios, right? Biology, we all are living. Most of us are, at least not sure about some of you, you may want to check your pulse. You may have used up all your energy yesterday. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't. But he doesn't use bios here. He uses the word zoe here, which is the life only Jesus can give. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the zoe. First, or John 1 and 4 says, in him Jesus was life. It was Zoe. It's the life of God. It's the only life that God can give you. I was reading this past week about a woman. Back, in, She was born in the late 30s, early 40s, I think it was. And she had married a Texas oil millionaire. And he had died and left her all of his fortune and in 1977, 
she died of a prescription overdose. And in her last will and testament, her name was Sandra West, she stated that she wanted to be buried not in a coffin, but in her beloved 1964 powder blue Ferrari 300 American. And in her last will, she said, I want you to put me in the, drive, or the driver's seat and I want you to recline it so that I can rest in peace. And they dressed her in her favorite dress. And you can look it up. In Texas, they dug that big old hole and they put that woman in a box, a big old box, big enough to put her inside that Ferrari in that cemetery. Now, some people would say, man, that woman was really living, wasn't she? No, she wasn't. She's dead. That Ferrari didn't do her any good. Didn't do her a bit of good. Didn't do her any good. I don't, listen, when I die, don't be putting money in my coffin. Keep it yourself. It'd do you a lot better than it would be me. Don't put my, if I'm wearing glasses by then, don't put my eyeglasses on. It ain't going to do me any good, right? Don't even put my gold watch or my Apple watch in there. It's going to go dead pretty soon like me, right? It's not going to do me a bit of good in that coffin because naked I came and guess what? That's how I'm going out as well. And what we got to realize is this. A lot of people are looking around this world saying, man, those guys are really living, aren't they? No, they're not living at all. There's a false sense of living. You can only know living in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ is your... Listen, those people that's going out to Vegas and what's happening in Vegas and staying in Vegas, those people aren't living. They're miserable. They don't have peace. It's a false peace. It's a false sense of security. You can only find living in Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, everybody here, you're in one or two categories. You're either dead in your trespasses and sins or you are living because of Jesus Christ living inside of you. The Apostle Paul would tell that church at Colossae, he would say, Jesus Christ is our life. He is our living. When you're following the course of the Spirit, guess what? You receive a sense of fulfillment that you never have known and never can know in this life. But not only do you receive life, he says here, he says you also receive peace. And that leads me to the third thing. There's two, there's two different categories. Everyone in here, you're either at peace with God or you're at hostility with God. Okay? Look what he says, Verse. continue on verse 7. He says, because the violence set on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And so he says here is there's two different categories. Okay? And that category is you're either at peace with God this morning or you're at hostility with God. How do we know we're at peace with God? Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, 
being, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ this morning, you are at peace with God. There is no judgment coming because Jesus Christ has paid the price. He gave himself as an offering. God is satisfied with what Jesus Christ has done as a sacrifice. But let me say this. Listen, peace with God is objective. Peace of God is subjective. You can be at peace with God and not have the peace of God in your life. Because if you are worried this morning, guess what? You don't have the peace of God in your life. I'm not saying you don't have peace with God, because that is objective, that, that, that happens. But a Christian can be at peace with God and not have the peace of God in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And so he says, there's two different categories in here. You're either at peace with God or, verse 7, you're at hostility with God. Now listen, that word hostility means this. It means enmity, opposition, hatred, whether overt or concealed. Now we may not like this, what I'm about to say. But if you are not saved this morning, you're at hostility with God. Okay? Now I know God loves everybody. Listen, God loved, God so loved the world. And he doesn't love saints more than he loves sinners. He can't. But just because God loves everybody does not mean that you're a friend of God and on his side. And we need to understand this. We need to let the world know that, listen, if you're not saved, God is not for you. He's not for you as he is a Christian. He says you're at hostility with, he said you're at hatred toward God. And people say, I don't hate God. Let me put it this way. If you were married, single people, if you're married, People that are married, you understand this. And you stand before the minister and you tell God and, the, and those, their witnesses that I'm going to be faithful till death do us part and how much you love each other. And three weeks later, you are living in adultery. You can... Come and tell your spouse, but I love you, honey. And I got news for you, that ain't love. What I'm saying is this. Just because you say, I love God, but if you are committing spiritual adultery with him, you are lying to yourself. You are fooling yourself. And that's the reason why the apostle Paul in, in the church Ephesus says, listen, those that are not in Christ are children of wrath. That doesn't sound peaceful. 
He says they were dead in trespasses and sins. That doesn't sound good. He says that we, before we came to the cross, we were separated. We were excluded. We were hopeless. We were strangers. We were aliens. We were far away from God. And so you're either in one or two different categories this morning. You're either peace or you're in hostility toward God. One of two things. You can't be both. He says, verse 7, for he is not even able to do so. Because in Adam, the mindset is unwilling to place itself under what God wills and intends for what one's life. Then verse 8, he says, and those who are in the flesh, they what? They cannot please God. In other words, if you're in the flesh, you can't get God's favor. You can't, give his, you can't get his pleasure, his satisfaction. So we see two different courses, two different conditions, two different categories. And finally, they're under two different custodies. Under two different custodies. Verse 9. Again, he's making the contrast here. He says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So Paul is presenting here a distinct contrast, different between those that are in the Spirit in Christ and those that are in the flesh. And I ask you this question this morning. Whose are you? Whose are you? If you go back two chapters to Romans chapter 6, look what he says here in verse 16. He says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves for the whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience to righteousness or obedience resulting in righteousness. You can't belong to do two different masters. You can only have one master. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? Then he says in verse 20, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. I made this quote last two weeks. I'm going to say it again. If a man is not being presently sanctified, conformed to the image of Christ, he has no reason to believe he is justified. If you are not being conformed to the image of Christ, you've got no reason to assume that you are truly saved. You've got no reason. If there's no fruit in your life, if there's no evidence that you love Jesus Christ, that you want to please Him, that you want to live for Him, there's no fruit there that says you are in Christ. I'll conclude with this. I heard a story about a young man, and we'll just call him George. who had lived a wild life as a young man. George happened to take a job in another state. And it was there they began attending church and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
One of George's friends from his pre-conversion days or pre-saved days just so happened to be in town where George was living and made contact with George. He called George on the phone. He said, hello, George. I just want to let you know I'm in town for a couple of days. Thought we'd go to such and such a place. George was kind of awkward about it and didn't seem enthusiastic about going out. And so his friend said, George, don't you remember how we used to live it up on Friday nights? We'd party, do all kind of crazy things. George was even more comfortable. And finally, the voice on the end of the line says, you know, George, the more I talk to you, the more I've come to the conclusion that this doesn't sound like the old George. About that time, old George spoke up and said, it's because it isn't. There's been a change in my life. Old things have passed away. What once drew my attention now no longer does. What once I found pleasure in now longer does. I've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old George is dead and I hung up the phone. And I got a question for you. Has there been a change in your life? Has there been a change in your life? It's scary. I'm telling you, it's scary. I'm scared to death. Not for myself, but I'm scared to death because in the church in general, we've got a lot of people that think because their name's on a roll, they're good to go. That think because they fill out a card one time, they're okay now. That'll sit in a funeral and they'll hear about somebody that never lived for Christ and they'll hear the preacher say, well, he's up in heaven now with Grandpa. And people will sit on the outside saying, well, if he made it, I gotta, I've got to make it for sure. You understand what I'm saying? It's a serious matter. Who do you belong to? How do we know? What is the direction of your life this morning? Is it toward the flesh or is it toward the Holy One of God? Is it toward the Spirit of God? Because when you walk according to the Spirit, it's a Spirit-filled life. It's a Spirit-controlled life. I'm not saying you'll never have a bad day. Because God knows. We fail Him. God knows we do. But I'm here to tell you, you can know, and I can't give you that assurance. Only the Holy Spirit of God can give you that assurance. And not only that, but you look at your life. I conclude with this, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Apostle Paul says it like this. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. He says, examine yourself, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. Test, examine yourself. Make sure you are really in because there's one of two courses you're on. There's one or two conditions you're in this morning. There's one or two categories you're in. There's one or two custodies you're under this morning. And I'll say this, if you test yourself and you fail the test, you may say like the Philippian jailer, sir, Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul would just simply say this, he would say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? It, believe, it means to believe in the person of Jesus, that he's the Son of God, the only Son of God. It means to believe in the passion of Jesus, what he did on the cross. He paid my price on the cross. It believes in the power of Jesus, that he's able to save us, that he's able to change us. And now because of the change inside of me, I want to live for him. Are you in Adam this morning? Are you in Christ? That's the question. You can't be in one or two. You can only be in one. And if you are in Christ, thank God for it. Amen.